Mm-hmm. You want your water? I forgot it. Yeah. Okay. Good morning. Good, good to see you here today. This holiday weekend, many of our people are gone, but we're so glad that uh, you've decided to be with us this morning. I have to admit, I'm a little distracted this morning, and it's David James's fault. He cooked pancakes and bacon for his Sunday school class this morning. And the smell drifted right down the hall. And now I'm so hungry I can't hardly stand it. So it may be short this morning. That'll be all right with you, right, if it's short? (laughs) I knew you'd go for short anyway. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 13. The Christians in the early church made a tremendous impact on the society in which they lived. There were some things that stood out about them and marked them as belonging to God. And what was characteristic of them is that they had been with Jesus. And that's something that can also be true of you and I today. Time doesn't change what the Holy Spirit brings about in us when we are surrendered and dependent upon Him. Now, we last left the apostles Peter and John. They had been hauled into court before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish rulers in Jerusalem. With them was the former lame man who had been healed. This man had been sitting by the gate of the temple begging for help. And when he begged Peter for help, Peter responded by saying, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. Arise and walk in the name of Jesus. Peter and John used that occasion as people gathered around them then to present the gospel to them and to preach Jesus and the resurrection. Now, the religious leadership found this preaching about Jesus and the resurrection threatening. And it was the direct cause of them sending the authorities to arrest them and to haul them before the Jewish court. Once there, Peter boldly declared that these men were guilty of the death of Jesus. And then he said to them in verse 12, And there is salvation in no other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. No other Savior has ever been provided for men anywhere in the world in any age or any time other than Jesus. That is the great message that Peter preached There are three things that I want you to know with me this morning as we pick up the story, and we're going to kind of back up and get ourselves in place. First of all, I want you to see the defense of the gospel beginning in verse 5 and down through verse 12. Peter and John and the healed lame man are put in the center of this assembled court called the Sanhedrin, and they're demanded to answer by what? Authority. By what power have you done this? By what authority, by what power have you healed this 
lame man. The issue is a familiar one, and it is that of authority. As the highest religious body in the nation of Israel, the Sanhedrin felt that they had the authority over all teaching and over all ministry that went on in their midst, especially in the confines of the temple. Just who did these two nobodies think they were to come into the very midst of the temple and begin teaching whatever they wanted to? Peter's response to this challenge was incredibly short and to the point. It was a response empowered by the Holy Spirit. He begins by pointing out, far from doing any kind of evil, a sick man had been made well. This can hardly be considered a crime. And as to the power through which this deed was accomplished, it was through Jesus Christ. Jesus the Nazarene, the very one that they had rejected and put to death, but whom God had raised from the dead. Now in rejecting Jesus of Nazareth, these leaders fulfilled the prophecy which foretold the very cornerstone of God's building would be rejected by the builders. This cornerstone must be accepted and those who rejected him must repent if they are to be saved. For it is only through, Peter says, the name of Jesus that anyone might be saved. Jesus was the name by which this man was healed and through whom the apostles ministered. Jesus was the only name by which any person could be saved. The defense of the gospel led to the second thing, and that is the decision of these rulers. The first thing we see is their confusion in verses 13 and 14. It says, now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Three things he says about them. First of all, he says they saw their boldness. Now, verse 13 says they saw and perceived. You ought to underline those two words. They saw and they perceived. That Those words carry the meaning of paying special attention to something as being relevant to drawing a conclusion. The 71 members of the Sanhedrin, the highest court in the land, took note and were amazed at the courage of these men. Note secondly, he says he, they saw that they were uneducated men. Now when it says uneducated, it does not mean they were illiterate. It doesn't mean they couldn't read and write. Most Jewish men would receive a basic education through their involvement in the local synagogue. Saying, but they had had, but they had no higher education. The basis of their exasperation is first that these men <clears throat> were not educated, in that they had any letters after their name or any doctor in front of their name. Also, it is noted that they are Galileans. That didn't mean much to you and I, but it meant a lot to them. 
because Galileans were considered hicks. In fact, they had such an accent, you could immediately tell if somebody was from, from Galilee. These people would have been detected by that, their accent and would have been considered backwoods hicks. And secondly, it says these men were untrained, meaning they had not been to seminary. They would not been to any kind of Bible training. They didn't have any fancy titles or letters after their name. No doubt they had learned also that Peter and John were fishermen. So they had no position whatsoever. They were just common, ordinary, blue-collar workers. He said, but they also saw that they had been with Jesus. So how could these uneducated, common, blue-collar men have such composure and confidence? And then it dawned on them. The conclusion they came to is most remarkable. Their explanation was that these men had been with Jesus. They remembered how Jesus also spoke with authority. And even though he was unschooled and unlettered, additionally, they remembered how Jesus had performed miracles. Jesus Jesus was the reason for the courage. Then we see the conference of these men in verses 15 and 16. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council... They conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Peter and John, along with the lame man, formerly lame man, were sent out of the room so that these men could have a private conference and strategize how they were going to handle this situation. Now, they knew, first of all, they couldn't deny that the man had been healed. That would make them the laughingstock of the whole city because everyone knew what he had been before and what he was now. There was no denying that he had been changed. Verse 14 says, And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them. Now, to underline the word standing because that's very important. It's hard to miss that Luke uses the word standing intentionally for emphasis and perhaps for irony. Here is a man who formerly could not walk, indeed who could not stand. He was standing in their midst as proof that the miracle had occurred. But do notice also that there is no place in this passage anywhere where we see them deliberate as to what the truth might have been. They did not ask if they could have been wrong, and Jesus and thus his disciples right. They did not even discuss the resurrection of Jesus and whether or not it was true. They could not deny the fact that a most significant miracle had been performed in the healing of this lame man, And the whole council was convinced that indeed a miracle had taken place, that it was a clear case, it was a well-known thing, and it had been done by the apostles. They didn't want the truth. In fact, they wanted other people to keep from receiving the truth. What they wanted to do was to suppress the truth. 
We find that same argument presented in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress or hold down the truth in unrighteousness. The conclusion they draw is in verse 17. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. What the council was concerned about was the consequences of allowing this movement to continue. Whenever a person clings to a falsehood or an unbelief in the face of overwhelming evidence, it's a tragedy. But it is a tragedy of momentous proportions when the when 71 men who sit on the highest religious court in the land are given repeated evidence which demands that they have faith in Christ and yet they reject him outright. They could not accept Jesus. In fact, they could not even bring themselves to say the name of Jesus. You notice they use the euphemism, this name. They couldn't even bring themselves to say the name of Jesus. Can you see how tragic their decision is? They refused to repent of their wrongdoing and putting to death God's Son, and instead they decided they must do whatever they can to contain the damage to their position by whatever means that's necessary. Notice the command in verse 18. And so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. They turned to Peter and John and they said, We do not want you to now or ever in the future speak again the name of Jesus. I think we have to note that the Sanhedrin had to threaten these apostles to keep them from speaking about Jesus. But how often does anyone even have to threaten us today? Seduced by the world, by pleasure, by material possessions, sometimes we're already silenced in our witness to Christ. To our shame, no persecution is necessary. Their tactic was very simple. Still the tactic... The world uses today. You can't ignore the Christians, intimidate them. The goal, of course, is to get these Christians to cool it. Just chill out a little bit. We don't want you to be living out your faith. Now, notice if this sounds familiar to you. The religious leaders were willing to, uh, to let them believe anything they choose. That's what our world tells us today. You can believe anything you want to. What they were not willing to do was allow them to act on what they believe. And that is precisely what the world tells us today. We respect your religious belief, just don't try to impose it on anyone else. The fact of the matter is that we can't impose our beliefs on anyone else. But that's really not what they mean. They don't want us talking about what we believe. They certainly don't want us trying to influence other people to believe what we believe. And when we live out what we believe and stand up for what we believe, 
then they are threatened, and so they speak to threaten us. They just want us to calm down, lay low, and blend in. When the state tells us, you can be religious, but just do it privately, that is exactly what was done in the Soviet Union under communism. The Soviet state tolerated religion, but it had to be practiced privately. In the Soviet states, the parents could not even teach religious practices to their own children. And unless something is done in our country, we're headed down that very same path. The decision of the rulers leads finally to the determination of the disciples in verse 19. Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. The man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Peter's answer is a vitally important one. It points the way to all who are forced to choose between obeying God and men. The choice between right and wrong is not left to Israel's leaders. Peter's words indicate that the ultimatum given them to force them to choose between obeying the authority of man and the authority of God is given in verse 19. And the implication of Peter's words is that regardless of the court's decision, Peter and John would persist in proclaiming the gospel. And when men's authority contradicts obedience to God, then men must disobey men and obey God. When the court forbids the apostles from doing something that God had told them to do, Then Peter and John refused. They didn't deny the court's authority. In fact, Peter and John acknowledged their authority when they said in verse 19, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. They said, if you think it's right to listen to you rather than to obey God, you will have to judge. But as far as we are concerned, God has told us something to do And we're going to do it regardless of what you say. We can see glimpses of the abuse of authority even in the United States where authorities are determined to eliminate the influence of the true gospel in the marketplace of ideas. In our modern society, everything is acceptable. Everything is tolerated except the gospel. In our educational system, everything is allowed except the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the public arenas, any kind of public prayer can be offered except one that is in the name of Jesus. Tragically today, in the belief that we are refusing to cooperate with an evil worldly system, we as Christians have withdrawn from the political arena. We have said, I'm not interested in voting because after all, 
all politicians are equally bad. None of them stand for anything unless it's wrong. I'm going to stay home, go to church, raise my children, and ignore the world. But the truth is we can't do that. Unfortunately, it is that very attitude that has helped us to get our country in the situation that it's in today. Let me just close by asking, why did the Sanhedrin not yield to the truth that was being presented to them? They could not argue with the healing of this lame man. They knew a miracle had been done in their midst by the apostles. Nor could they argue with the validity of the resurrection of Jesus. They knew that Peter and John had nothing to gain by carrying on with the message of Jesus. There seemed to be no explanation for their complete and total allegiance apart from the reality of the resurrection. As time went by, this evidence grew even more convincing. As the early Christians were beaten, stoned, starved, thrown to lions and crucified. Every conceivable method was used to try to stop them from spreading the gospel. Yet they laid down their very lives as proof of their complete confidence in the truth of their message. The proof of the resurrection should have persuaded these religious men. Let me just list a few of the reasons why. The body of Jesus, in accordance with Jewish tradition, would have been wound from head to foot in linen cloth, coated with over a hundred pounds of Aramaic spices. hundred pounds. He would not have been able to breathe, much less move. If he wasn't dead when they put him in the tomb, he was dead shortly thereafter. The body was placed in a solid rock tomb, and a large stone rolled in front of the entrance. Experts estimate that such a stone would have weighed between one and a half and two tons. Because the enemies of Jesus were afraid that his disciples would steal the body and claim a resurrection, a seal was placed upon the tomb and a guard was posted. Now, most modern-day pictures paintings show two or three little skinny soldiers in miniskirts guarding the tomb. Uh, That's a little bit off. It would have been truth been more like a contingent of special forces, four to 16 men who would have have been capable of guarding a city gate against a battalion of the enemy. But the facts were... Three days later, the seal was broken, the stone was moved, and the tomb was empty. The facts should have persuaded them, but it did not. But what about you? How have you responded 
to the overwhelming evidence of the empty tomb. On the basis of all the evidence of Christ's resurrection, and considering the fact that Jesus alone offers forgiveness of any and all sins and an eternal relationship with God, it would be foolish. In fact, it would be a tragedy to refuse him. Let's pray. Father, I don't know the hearts of all those who are gathered here this morning, but I know that you do, and I know that you know where we're at spiritually. I pray for those who may not have made a decision for Jesus. I pray that they might see that they are sinners, that they cannot save themselves, but that Jesus has already done everything necessary for them to be saved by paying the penalty of their sin on the cross. And that all they must do is accept that payment, repent of their sins, accept the payment that Jesus has made for them. They can have an eternity with you. Father, I pray for uh, those of us who are saved and know we're saved. But sometimes we find ourselves wavering in our stance. We don't stand as firmly as we should and we find ourselves being beat up by the world at least emotionally and so Lord I pray that you'd help us this morning maybe that we come into this place feeling like the world's had the victory this week that we've been beaten down and defeated Lord I pray that you'd help us to find new victory here this morning to know that we're still on the winning side and in the end you are the victor and because of you we will share that victory father i pray that uh, whatever it is that you want to say and do in our hearts and lives today we'd allow that to happen as we allow the holy spirit control we ask it in jesus name amen